DKS7 is powered by Meme Global, a video marketing and advertising solution for entrepreneurs. Hello and welcome to the Digital Kung Fu Show, the podcast and video cast for startup founders and entrepreneurs. Even if you're alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs across the world hustling today's markets. At Digital Kung Fu, we have one goal, to help entrepreneurs succeed in their ventures through information sharing, digitally connecting them with other entrepreneurs, and by dissecting and deconstructing the world's leading business minds right here on this show. Remember, you can view the full show notes on our website at digitalkungfu.co.za or tweet this show using our handle at digitalkungfuza or follow us on facebook.com slash digitalkungfuza. E-commerce has grown into a phenomenal global trend which many entrepreneurs are trying to capitalize on. To understand exactly how to do this, I reached out to Justin Drennan, who's the CEO of WantedAll.co.za, one of South Africa's largest retailers, and also, more recently, Parcel Ninja, which we'll get into in a second. But it's really solving a huge, huge, huge problem for e-commerce startups in South Africa specifically. But what's great about their play is that they're focusing largely on the rest of Africa and also the Middle East. So if you are interested in building an e-commerce company or interested in applying the startup context from e-commerce into your own business, then this is an interview you will highly enjoy. Digital Kung Fu, so it goes with the ninja. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No pun intended at all. Okay, here we yeah. go. So this is Matt Brown, and today we are going to explore the world of e-commerce with a good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Justin Drennan. You'll see his lovely mugshot uh, in your video. Um, he's the founder of wantedall.co.za, uh, one of South Africa's largest uh, online retailers. And more recently, Parcel Ninja, which is a scalable outsourced e-commerce warehousing and fulfillment company uh, based in Johannesburg. So, Justin, thanks for joining the call today. I'm very excited to have you in the hot seat. Thank you, Matt. Always good to speak to you. Yeah, always, mate. Listen, so let's start <laughs> with, uh, with you. Uh, let's um, kick off by discussing a bit about your entrepreneurial journey to date. Um, you've, you've been in the industry or the e-commerce play now for over 10 years. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, Justin and his team have had pretty much a large and or instrumental hand in getting the e-commerce ball rolling in South Africa. Um, they're largely credited with, uh, with that. Um, so maybe, Justin, can you take us from, from there uh, and describe some of your highlights and kind of key successes to date? Okay, cool. So um, if you want to do this, so we started back in – 2006. So the idea was always that, that um, effectively the idea was born out of a need to import products from the U.S. that weren't available in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So what happened was that um, we were working in an online marketing business in Joburg. Yeah. And then what happened from there is that we we wanted to sort of get hold of some products from the U.S. Um, I went onto Amazon and tried to buy them, and they effectively told us that sorry, they don't deal with South Africa or Africa, mm-hmm. and that we'd have to sort of we won't be able to sort of we wouldn't be able to purchase the products from them um with that sort of problem i guess entrepreneurial people are always looking just to solve problems and if you ask like what is entrepreneur it's not a person that starts a business it's a person who solves problems yeah and then if it happens to start a business then that's a sort of a bonus um but with that sort of roadblock in our way we set out it put us on a path to to work out how we could get products from the u.s Mm. um we ended up setting we ended up um working with a company called myus.com, which effectively sets up an outsourced little PO box for you. We ordered some products from uh, Amazon, shipped it to that box in the US, which made us look like um, American citizens. 
They then reshipped that to South Africa, and uh, we ended up getting the products that we were looking for. Um, a few of the people at the offices then saw what we were doing. Um, we're also interested in getting products from America, and we ended up bringing in products for them. And then uh, we realized that there's an opportunity uh, to do this on a sort of a, a slightly larger scale. We went and uh, set up a website in 2006. A friend of ours built the whole website probably for like 15,000 rand, integrated with Amazon, everything done. And we started um, going onto the forums, trawling the forums, telling people about this business that we started called Want It All. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, the business sort of, we ended up realizing that December that year, things were getting a little bit busy with the business. Mm-hmm. We'd have to quit our full-time jobs and actually this e-commerce thing might be something that's interesting. Yeah. Um, up until then, we had been... All, all of us, myself, my brother, and Terence, who's the other, the other founders, mm-hmm. had been working at normal day job from 8 to 5, leaving at 5, driving past DHL, fe- fetching boxes, driving to Terence's house with this domestic worker, mm-hmm. um, unpacking boxes, repacking boxes, writing out labels, and doing everything manually, mm-hmm. and would finish at about 11 o'clock at night, finish off, drop domestic worker off, go back home, sleep, get up, go to work the next day and doing that every single day. Rinse so when December rolled around, we realized, yeah, rinse repeat. So what happens is when December rolled around, we realized this is, this is going to be a little bit too hectic for us. We had to quit our jobs and put all our efforts into the parcel ninja business. So effectively we, we funded it ourselves. Okay. Um, it's always been self-sustaining, but the, I guess the business model lends itself to that because the fact that you, you, you get money upfront before you order the product. So cash flow is not really a, a big concern. Mm. And then from there, we've sort of built the business out um, and learned a little bit about e-commerce and logistics in that journey, which we then been able to leverage into other businesses. Um, we got, we then got involved with um, the guys at MassMart Macro, helped them build the e-commerce platform and build their site for them. We got involved in a business called City Mob, which was uh, at the heart of the flash sales sort of era, yeah. um, which then migrated into a business called Superbalist, which we then exited and sold to Take-A-Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've sort of, put our efforts into a business called Parcel Ninja, which we think is something that the small to medium-sized e-commerce guys need. And that's basically an outsourced warehouse and distribution business where you leave your products in our warehouse and we do all the picking, packing and distribution on behalf of the sort of, on behalf of the clients. So it just makes, um, we do all the heavy lifting for the e-commerce delivery process. And that is, I think one of the components that have been missing from e-commerce up until now. Yeah. And that's really the part that, that I've taken Okay, awesome, dude. Thanks. Some amazing successes there. Hey? Awesome. Um, so firstly, uh, Parcel Ninja, love the name. I think it kind of marries quite well with digital kung fu. <laughs> uh, but for yes. those of you who don't know, um, I was reading some press releases around uh, Parcel Ninja and the launch um, of the brand into the market. Um, is it true that you raised 20 million rand from investors to get the business off the ground? Well, the business is already off the ground and was, and we took investment uh, probably back in 2007 from a, a group of investors that, that, that got involved in the wanted all business. Um, and then the opportunity arose for investors to come out of the UK, recapitalize the business, effectively um, leverage the business up a notch because we, we think the opportunity is not for a South African story with Parcel Ninja, but rather um, a business that can service the Middle East and Africa because those are places that are underserviced from a distribution perspective. Mm-hmm. And so we needed some partners that bought into that vision of the business. And um, C5 um, out of the UK agreed with what we're doing, um, enjoy- thought the management team was up for it, and basically gave us investment in the business to to help us grow. We actually haven't really made use of a lot of the funds at the moment, but we're looking this year is going to be the year that we're looking to to sort of expand outside of South Africa okay. and make use of the cash. 
what, what up until now we've just been building the platform, the systems, and all those things because effectively it's a technology play on top of distribution. It's not a pure distribution business. Yeah. I mean, we don't we, we try not to be capex heavy. We don't want to own too many assets, fleets of vehicles, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We we outsource that component of it, and really our our competency is around the picking, packing. And the processes around that to make sure that we can sort that out. Yeah, we will we'll chat a bit more about the technology because um, I was fortunate enough to get a tour of your warehouse a couple of months ago. When I was just blown away by how digitized the whole thing is. Um, but I wanted to just stick with the fundraising side of things for now. Um, as entrepreneurs, mm. fundraising is obviously a huge challenge or can be a huge challenge if you don't have the network there. Um, obviously, you've raised capital a few times now. Um, is there any advice that you'd like to give entrepreneurs with regards to raising capital? I think, I think one of the challenges that the South African guys have is that they, they, they take their lead from the U.S. market. In other words, a lot of guys are busy out there reading TechCrunch and, and they see these numbers that, that, that $100 million, yeah, $50 million there, etc. And I think the guys get this, uh, this view that, that all startups get funded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when they get funded, they get funded with mad money. Yeah. And I think that's, those are the two misnomers or things that people think is true, which, is, which isn't the case. I think that, that what we've learned from our sort of side of what's worked for us is I think that, you've, that it's easier for guys to invest in a model, in a business that has a proven model. In other words, that there is a little bit of traction in the business and the guys can show, you can show that you, there's traction in the business and what you're going to use the money for is for expansion and scaling the business. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, that's really, from an investment perspective, what we'd look for if we were to invest in businesses. And I mean, that's what we did with the city mob business. Mm. Um, we gave expertise and cash. And what it is, we liked, A, we liked the management team. And B, we liked the business and the fact that they could actually execute. Because it's not really about the idea. It's about execution at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think that if you've got an idea that is robust, that, that, that you think has legs, a lot of the time you should fund it yourself as much as you can. To, to a certain degree. I mean, certain businesses are lend itself to being easily funded and others not. Mm. But I mean, we funded our wanted all business ourselves. In other words, you've got to start with like a bit of a friends and family round first. Mm. Friends, Get family some investment from, from, from those guys. Um, yep, exactly. <laughs> so three Fs. And then you've got to just show that the business works to a certain degree in other words have a minimum viable product mm-hmm. don't go with this all singing all dancing system you know and then once you've got something that actually you think is tangible guys are struggling from the investment side is they're struggling to find people that are able to execute on ideas that are scalable and I think that's what people are looking for at the end of the day so the main and you'd be surprised I think you can find cash I think there is I really okay. do think there's, there's a fair amount of cash out there yeah so you're saying from an invest so basically you're saying the money's there but there's a, the, the investors are battling to find guys that they believe can actually execute and make the thing scale. 100%. Okay. That's exactly it. So let's, let's. So you just got to prove that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's the thing, right? So you got to have the right team and, and, as you say, a minimum viable product, some kind of traction and data in the market, right? Otherwise, it's kind of. Well, correct, correct. And I, and I also think, depending on the startup that you're in, a lot of the time, the guys um, launch these tech heavy businesses and there's no tech founder in the business, mm. which is also a big challenge. I think if you're going to be like in a business that relies heavily on technology and you aren't tech savvy, you need to have somebody that you know yes. that you can, can trust yeah. in the business mm. to help execute on that vision. Because I think it's the, it's the single biggest thing that's made a difference in our business is that one of our, all of us actually come from an IT background. So there's three tech fund founders, okay. um, but we've got my brother who's leads that. And I think having someone that you can trust implicitly, from a technology perspective, is key to the whole success. Yeah, I would say that's interesting. So that's that, something you're also got to have in your team. 
Yeah, cool. I mean, one of the guys I interviewed, um, he's also a good mate of mine. Uh, his name is Roger Norton. He's the CEO of PlayLogix down in Cape Town. Um, and mm. their whole business occupies that space in the value chain where if you want to build or you have this idea for a digit, digitally-led product or solution, um, that they will effectively become your technical co-founder. So they partner with you and actually work out what you want to build, you know, what's the best minimum viable product and so forth. Um, and then they actually build it for you. So that's interesting that you touched on that. Yeah, um, I think that's I think that's an interesting model that, that, that could work for some guys. Yeah, for sure. So um, just in terms of uh, mergers and acquisitions, there's, especially in the last kind of 12 months, 12 to 18 months, I should say, there's been quite a lot of uh, movement in the market, let's call it that. Um, Superbalist being acquired by Take-A-Lot and then obviously Take-A-Lot uh, and Kalahari merging. Um, what's your kind of... Uh, take on these kind of developments? I mean, what are the drivers behind them in your view? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. I think that 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 the merger in the e-commerce space was inevitable, primarily because e-commerce or building a big business is about scale. A lot of times, particularly in retail. So, if you're going to be in retail and you want to build a big, you need to build a big business to get the scale to get the value. If you want to be a a, a general merchandise mass retailer, which is effectively what Amazon and the Take a Lot guys are looking to build. Mm. And that being said, they probably had a bit of analysis and said the two individuals are going to fight each other, drive up costs, etc. We don't get efficiencies out of this, but by joining the two businesses together, there are a lot of opportunities for efficiencies within um, the logistics sort of side of things, the marketing, the, the Google PPC spend, as well as like obviously all the normal sort of, it's the normal, it's, it's the normal merger you could say between two businesses where the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. And yeah. I think the take a lot Kalahari guys had to do something like that, especially with potential sort of uh, businesses coming in from overseas. Mm -hmm. and, the, and I think the fact that you like a number one player makes a big, big difference. And what's very interesting is that the gap between the number one and let's say okay, number two e-commerce player in South Africa is now massive. Yeah. Uh, I think you're probably looking at like a take a lot Kalahari business, which is doing like a billion rand in, in sorry, it's probably one and a half billion rand in retail. Mm. And then the next big player who's a traditional retailer mm. who wants to take them on is like a loot, yeah. which is probably 50 million rand yeah. <laughs> or you know, yeah. it's a hundred million rand. So it's a factor of 15, yeah. the difference between the two. And as you start hitting that scale, you're able to buy better, increase margins, yeah control the market a bit more, understand, get more customers and have, and, and, and I think 
the opportunity to merge those two businesses was was one that had to be taken because otherwise I think each individual would have taken too long to become profitable. I'm not sure if they need how soon they need to become profitable. I don't think there's a, a big rush. No. I think the opportunity is to rather build out the biggest online retail business in South Africa, which is what the guys are doing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned scale just now. I think it's interesting. I was reading um, a forecast by Arthur Goldstack around uh, e-commerce in South Africa for this year. Um, and he predicts um, or estimates that South Africa will reach approximately 1% of total, total local retail sales in, that, in this year, right? So to put that in perspective, in developed markets, it's drastically different. It's typically 10 times higher than that on average. So I want to talk about the market, yes. and obviously we know uh, when you look around the market today, it's challenging, right? It's challenging broadly and in, in every single category. But specifically within e-commerce and in the, in the context of a developing economy like ours, do you think that startups in the e-commerce space are, um, are realizing the opportunity for online retail? I think when you talk about... Let's just talk the first point. When you talk about a retail as a percentage of GDP, mm. I think that that I'm not sure how the stats are done, but like in the US, they report it different ways. In other words, you do it like including fuel and uh, housing, and, and uh, I think it's fuel and goods used used to produce houses or build houses. So I think the construction industry is removed from those sort of stats. Is the first comment, and I think the next thing is to say like a one percent of uh, of GDP is fine or of retail is fine. However, in certain categories, online does dominate. So in groceries, it's probably 0.02%. Yeah. And if you look in the US, grocery sales are less than 1% either of, of okay. online retail. Cool. Um, oh, sorry, of, of retail. Um, so groceries are less than 1%. But if you look at books and DVDs, then it's 95%. Yeah. So I think your business from an online perspective needs to look at the right category before it makes those decisions because mm-hmm. certain categories lend themselves hell of a well to e-commerce and certain ones don't. Mm-hmm. And you've got to – so so I think we talk about in poker, sitting down at the right table is the first decision. So if you're going to try sell products online, pick products that are suited to online. Mm-hmm. Don't try, let's just say, sell – big bulky products that are expensive to move around. Like selling concrete online or cement is probably going to be quite a difficult thing to do. <laughs> but selling books and DVDs is probably a bit easier. And I think like if you look at the the look and listens and those sort of guys, uh, that's testament to that fact. Certain categories will work better. So I think that's the the underlying mm. um, thing to look at rather than just a, a, a okay. blanket Sort cool. of percentage. That's right. So that's just on the category opportunity then. If you were to pick, say, three categories that in your view are, are the ones that you would go for first as an e-commerce startup, what would you say would those three be? I think toys are interesting. So I think I, I'm probably um, skewed slightly since I have kids. Me too. So, but, I think that, <laughs> but I think there's – there you go. So I think, but I think that having – even though with, with that in mind – Pre having young kids, I think there's still the opportunity in the baby category. I think is underserviced. Mm-hmm. Um, there are startups starting to do that. Um, I think kids' toys are quite strong as well. Mm-hmm. That category is quite strong. And then I think, um, what about pets? Getting, I think, and I think, I think the opportunity. I was going to say, I was going to go between niche fashion. And pets is probably something that's interesting there. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge with pets is that the the 
the key commodity you always have to move around with pets is always food, is always let's just say let's classify as dog food. Yeah. And dog food is traditionally twenty kgs, fifteen kgs, heavy, heavy things, expensive to ship around. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to you've got to have raise it in margins on the heavy products and maybe make your money on all the ancillary products or specialized services, et cetera, that go around it. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, my view is that mass retail, you're going to get killed by the take lots. You must pick a niche and offer some sort of service that the traditional gen merch guys can't offer. You need to yeah. add after sales service, give some advice, et cetera, et cetera. So I think like the likes of like a Orms and an SA camera mm-hmm. or the ex SA camera guys were well positioned and are well positioned to service that niche, which is, specifically around optics and camera equipment and those things where you need some sort of advice or level of service. And I think you can charge for that. Yeah. So I think those are, those are businesses that are interesting online. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so here's one for you in the last year, given the fact that you guys obviously do the fulfillment service for majority, well, not a majority, but, um, a plethora, I should say of different types of brands, big, medium, and small. Um, I imagine that you've seen quite a few new players entering the market, right? So, um, I wanted to ask you in the last sort of 12 months or so, how many, if you were to count them on one hand or two hands, have you seen mm. fail after entering the market? And why do you think they got it wrong? I think that, um, so just to give you some sort of ideas on the scale, so we did about 55,000 deliveries in December. Okay. So we get a, like a good, like we have a bit of a, a dipstick of what's happening. We have a dipstick to a barometer of what's happening in the industry. Mm. That being said, we find a lot of small guys coming to us, which I think is the right approach in that they don't want to handle logistics. Running a small business or, or the reason why they're launching a small business or an online retail business is because they have a passion for a particular product. They like curating products. They like surprising and delighting customers. They like customer service and they want to, they want to offer that. What they don't like to do is the picking, packing and logistics, what we do. Mm. That being said, there's a lot of there's a lot of hard work in launching e-commerce sites. In other words, you need to actually understand systems. You can't just launch a site and not so, so when I say system and system and processes. Mm. You've got to have your systems and processes down so that you know what you're doing when the order happens, mm. when the order is cancelled, when the order is rejected, when the order is returned, mm. if there's fraud. Mm. Those are some components you need to understand. At the same time, I think the biggest issue is around marketing because it's not, as, it's not a simple thing to go to. In other words, build it and that will come doesn't happen. Mm. You need to really put your site out there, understand the market, understand um, your audience, understand how to reach your audience. I mean, you know this sort of stuff. This is yeah. your gig more than anything else. I think you can comment on this. But mm. I think that what we've seen is we've seen probably 20% in the last year, 20% of all the small online retail businesses closed down. They started, they thought they were going to do X amount of turnover. I looked at the numbers and said, guys, there's no way you're going to do these, these orders. They said, no, they will. They got, they start marketing. They realize that they actually don't know much about marketing. They don't know a lot about the product, mm. but they don't know a lot about the market. Mm. And so they build the website and they wait, the people don't come and then there's drama. Yeah. So I think that's the sort of a, the sort of shortcoming I find for the okay. e-commerce guys that they don't really understand the marketing component of it. Have you thought about offering a marketing component to solve that problem? Because obviously you're kind of uniquely positioned where, as you said, you have this dipstick, right? You have this unique viewpoint mm. on numerous brands launching and established, some startups and mature brands uh, in the play. So is it something that you would consider doing? I think I think from our side of things, we try to stick to our knitting and try to do one thing right. I think in, in business, it's difficult enough to do 
two things right. One is hell of a difficult, two is near impossible. So for us, we just want to stick to the, the, the logistics sort of side of things and try to get that right. Because we feel like mm. if we just focus on that and become the best logistics providers, mm. then people choose us as a logistics partner. And, and we need to constantly be innovating and improving on that sort of offering. So we don't really have have the time, knowledge, slash inclination to, to sort of offer marketing services. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the smaller e-commerce guys come undone because there's this concept of doing everything yourself mm. and doing it alone. Yeah. And I think that if a lot of the smaller guys got together, helped each other out, shared marketing opportunities, tips and tricks, things that are working, etc., they would succeed a hell of a lot better. So I think what you're doing through this sort of program of trying to inform people or informing people uh, from a business perspective is something that the smaller guys need to have. And everyone tries to do it alone. And if they just got together and combined their forces, understood what marketing works, Mm what, yeah, and did, and how did, they're doing things. Well, the best ways they would, they would, the, the, they would succeed. They have a much better chance of succeeding than trying to do it themselves. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I mean, the opportunities for partnering are huge. I mean, there's cross-selling, upsell, JVs, you know, um, everyone's got a database. You can you be know. inventive. Yeah. Everyone's can. got a database. Everyone should be helping each other. I'm, I'm quite pro-collaboration in this space. In other words, I try set up other guys with the guys say you do this they do that that's quite complimentary have you thought of doing something together etc yeah. and i mean i can only really do the do the connections but it's they need to take it forward from there yeah i hear i hear i hear cool you mentioned the word systems just now and getting the fulfillment mm. you know sort of component right in your business um as i touched on i've actually seen how you guys work you've literally shown me from start to finish how you basically manage the performance service um and um digital is a huge component of what you guys do um, I was amazed actually how digitized everything basically is there. Um, so I wanted to just give the guys some insights into some of the technology that you've developed as it relates to your performance service. Mm. Okay. So I think the, um, we've taken, so we've taken the sort of, let's say a best of breed approach. We've gone globally, globally to go have a look at like warehouse management systems and processes from around the world to see how guys are doing it. I mean, We've looked at what Amazon does. We look at what Gilt in the U.S. do. They're quite quite strong. We've looked at the Walmart processes. We've looked at uh, how the South African warehousing guys are doing it. And we've been to uh, like the Vodacom, the UTRs, the Celsius, and just to see their processes and understand what they're doing. And we've taken sort of the best of what we see internationally as well as locally and try to build a uh, logistics system that's tailored for e-commerce mm-hmm. while taking into account the sort of, let's call it the nuances um, of South Africa. Yeah. Um, and, and a key challenge is it's easy to ship five products a day. It's a very different story to ship 200 products a day and 2000 products a day. Mm-hmm. And if you're launching your e-commerce site, just to ship five products a day, products a day, depending on what you're selling, um, you probably aren't going to make a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. So you do need to, you do need to, you do need to take a view or have a vision for the business to be doing a decent amount of volume. Mm. That being said that we realized in our wanted all business, as things started getting busier, there was no one that could help us with that component. And so we had to um, develop a competency in the logistics or the performance sort of side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realized there's an opportunity if we having that problem, like I said, entrepreneurs look to solve problems. If we yeah. having that problem, must be a problem for lots of other guys. And so we thought, let's set up a business that solves this um, distribution problem. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, um, if we set in place the right processes on our side, which are best of breed or 
international standards. And we give those processes to the small guys that will help them scale as well. Yeah. So, so we're quite militant on the processes we follow within the warehouse because yeah. it works. Yeah. And when guys come to say, we do this, 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 and that way, we go, no, 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 don't do it that way. Let me show you how the best guys do it. <laughs> they do it this way. And we sort of educate them in that process. And it works very, very well. I mean, you can speak to some of the biggest clients we have. I mean, if, you're gonna sh- if you want to ship 4,000 products in a day, you can't do it badly. Yeah. And we have to strap the products, customize the boxes, and all those sort of things. You don't just do that with without systems. Yeah. And so... What's key to warehouse, if we go into a normal warehouse in South Africa, it's, there's pallets, um, there's paper. And when you go into a proper e-commerce website, there's no pallets and there's no paper. That's not how Amazon runs things. <laughs> so we had to go out and, sit, and we had to go build a warehouse that was custom built for what's called fine picking of goods. In other words, a normal warehouse, you move a pallet of beans from one side and you ship it out. That's fine. Oh. We need to pick a mouse, a keyboard, um, and a pen and put them together. That's a very different set of requirements. And so yeah. you have to keep the products in a different, you have to store products in a different way, shelve them differently, uh, manage inventory differently, stock holding, and all those sort of things. We've written systems that manage all of that. So our guys run around with little Bluetooth scanners on their fingers mm-hmm. and iPods on their arms, and they yeah. just get directed around the warehouse and told what to do. Yeah. There's no guesswork. There's no chance. It's fully accountable. And if you're a small business and you want world-class logistics, you either have to go build that yourself, which is expensive, buy it yourself, which is expensive, or our views take the same approach as what you do with your servers nowadays, which is nowadays, which is cloud. Yeah. And basically, we're offering a cloud-based warehouse solution. Yeah. So just leave your stuff in our warehouse, use what you want, and when you don't want to take it back, mm-hmm. and if you're busy, we'll scale it for you. If you're not busy, we'll scale it down, mm-hmm. and we'll manage that whole process for you seamlessly. Yeah. And there are businesses like this in the U.S. I think, uh, yes, Fulfilled by Amazon does this, mm-hmm. and there's a business called Shipwire in the U.S., which does exactly this. Mm-hmm. And they've grown phenomenally, mm-hmm. and I think there's an opportunity in South Africa to offer the same service to the e-commerce guys and to help them sort their logistics drama out. Yeah. So one thing I haven't mentioned as well at the same time is in real time, we tender across multiple couriers to get the best price for every delivery, and yeah. we pass that saving on to our clients, yeah, that's just which is quite yeah. unique. Yeah, that is very yes. cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously, so one, you're solving a huge problem, plus there's this value add from a technology point of view as well, you know, and also from the uh, courier point of view as well as getting the best bang for your buck, right? So it's a huge headache. So I'm sure you guys are going to go, you know, in, uh, from, from strength to strength, I'm sure. Um, I yeah, I think, I think also what's, what's key for the whole thing is just the level of automation, the fact that you don't have to touch your products anymore because guys mm. don't like touching products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just want to do sales yeah. and then I'll do the, the rest. That's yeah. really it. That's cool. I want to chat to you about integration quickly um, yeah. and then I want to talk about platforms. Maybe we can talk about both at the same time, I guess. Um, so obviously for you guys to integrate with a, um, uh, an e-commerce retailer's Platform is obviously quite critical, right? Um, or is it? I mean, how do you do? You guys integrate? How do you integrate? Have you built any tech there to kind of solve that integration issue? Okay, so so I normally tell guys if you're launching an e-commerce site for the first time, you don't need to have a fully integrated fancy system. Okay, just try to see. In other words, launch a minimum viable product. See what you get. See what you're doing. Get some traction and understand that. And then what you can do is you can back-to-back your orders out of your system, whatever you use, whatever e-commerce platform, and you can just manually capture them in our system and we'll ship that for you. That's the first option. Okay. The second option is if you, if you don't want to do it that way or, you, or, or you're slightly larger, then we've got a interfaces or APIs into like the likes of Magento and Shopify. Mm. In other words, you can launch a Magento store, click next, 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 install our plugin, and you're ready to rock and roll the next day. Mm. It's literally that quick. You don't awesome. have to do any work. Awesome. Then if you've got a slightly more advanced um, 
system, in other words, if you're running a Harbris or an ATG or some custom-built e-commerce solution, mm-hmm. we've got APIs which are fully integrated, at, fully integratable at the same time. So you can really just take the orders out of your system, call our API and push the order into us and we'll do real-time pricing, real-time stock levels, delivery notification, picking and packing statuses and handle all of that sort of process for you. So all of this is built to be open and used by third parties. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if you if you come to us and say, listen, Justin, your parcel ninja system needs a stock age analysis report. And we go, Ugh, we don't have that at the moment. You can build it using our API and charge our clients for it. In other words, an app marketplace mm-hmm. on our warehouse if you want. Because awesome. all of it is open. So that allows third-party developers the ability to build systems okay. for our warehouse that other people can make use of. Right. Okay. Which is quite cool. And guys have done that. Okay, superb. Um, just on the platform side of things, like you touched on a couple, there's Magento, Shopify, and there's a plethora of other options. For the guys that are kind of thinking about getting into e-commerce uh, or maybe they're having problems with their existing e-commerce experience or, or however we want to describe it, how would you or what advice do you have for the guys in terms of selecting the best platform for the stage of, of business that they're in? I think I think that that from a minimum viable product perspective, I think the guys at Shopify have a really great solution. I think that they've got something that allows you to build an e-commerce site, sorry, develop, build, and maintain an e-commerce site really cheaply, really effectively, that has the majority of the functionality that most people need. When you need levels of customization, um, that are not supported by Shopify, I think the next step from there is to move on to like a, the Magento platform, which is a little bit more open source and has third-party developers available in South Africa to help you with with the site. And there's, there's there's quite a lot of those. And I think that, and then obviously if you're a large online retailer, if you're looking to be a large online retailer, the, the opportunity is there is to self-develop your own system, which is highly customized. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, take one of the bigger platforms, which is a ATG or Harbors. But I think that you're in for they're quite pricey those systems yeah. so i think that the, for the majority of the market you're looking at a shopify or magenta and off you go okay. this is like a woocommerce etc but i think i think that this is something you need to talk to your tech founder about mm-hmm. <laughs> and get their opinion on these things but there's really shopify magenta the majority of the implementations we see nowadays yeah just on the tech founder side of things um for the guys that as you say, are passionate about the products and basically selling and providing a service, but they don't have any understanding about the technical domain at all. Um, what is your recommendation around choosing a technical provider or, and or partner? There's obviously um, you know, service providers in South Africa that you could look at. There are um, obviously providers you could look at outside of South Africa, and obviously that comes with a, with a reduced cost of service. Um, mm. How do you... I mean, it's obviously a critical component uh, just ongoing anyway. You're going to want to make changes to your template and so forth, I imagine, as you scale. Um, what's your recommendation around choosing a technical uh, partner in your e-commerce business? I think, I think that before I choose a technical partner from the e-commerce side of things, I would mess around myself with one of the smaller slash cheaper platforms. In other words, I would go and look at how this whole Shopify thing is, how it works, and just get a bit of understanding from a technology perspective of what these things are capable of, just to just to get a bit of the lay of the land. Because there's no you can say, oh, I'm not technical, I don't understand. You if you can't work out how Shopify works, mm. you you're going to have issues down the line. You really need to spend a bit of time and invest time in understanding some of the platforms. Mm. Then if Shopify still doesn't do what you need, and you need to go out to a third-party development house, I think that's a far 
trickier process. Yeah. And I think the majority of the guys that we've seen that go that route um, don't end up with what exactly they're looking for. I think there's that old like image that you get with what the client wants, what they heard you say, what you actually built and what mm. they got and how mm. different those things are. Mm. And I think that a lot of the people that don't have a technical background or don't have an understanding go into it thinking they're going to get one sort of thing, one sort of solution and end up with something else. Yeah. Um, and that's really the, 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 if I can say, just learn a little bit about it first before you start <laughs> speaking to all these guys. I mean, we recommend uh, a company called Go Media that handles a lot of the Magenta implementations and they've built yep. APRs for us and they've got this really fancy solution called Stock to Shop, which, which is which is really good. Cool. Um, and it allows for B2B transactions and things like that. I think you must actually have a, a chat to him. Okay, um, cool. Chris? Oh, yes. I Chris remember Chris. And I think that yeah. uh, we, rec- and we recommend Chris to, to do the implementations because he knows what he's doing. And then from like the marketing sort of side of things as well, I think there's, there's mm-hmm. ROR Media, we think, has quite a good job in that. And, and there's, depending on what the size and the budget is. So I think those are the guys that we've really mm-hmm. recommend in that space mm-hmm. ourselves. Okay. Cool. So look, Justin, thanks so much. Tons of great content here. Um, I wanted to just end off the interview by maybe shooting some rapid fire questions at you. There's five of them. Yeah. <laughs> so here go. we go. So, <laughs> so here we go. So first one, what was the last thing that you bought online and who did you buy it for? I bought more of these earphones because I like them and I sleep with them in because I always watch a documentary before I go to bed and sometimes fall asleep so they break all the time and I bought them. So I bought six pairs for myself. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Online. Cool. What the, was the-, the original Apple ones. I got them from the US actually. Okay. Yeah. Sheet six. Why not five or eight? <laughs> Yeah, because they, they, you only buy them in packs of two and they're limited due to three. Oh, <laughs> three <really? packs>. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have bought more. All right, super. Listen, uh, second one, what was the last book you read? Uh, zero to One, Peter Thiel. Awesome, great book. Um, what's the yeah. toughest decision you ever made? Uh, toughest decision ever made? Um, probably the, 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 the decision I made that was the least tough that, but ended up being the most difficult was to start the business. In other words, it wasn't a difficult decision to make because I knew I wanted to do it, uh-huh. but being young and naive, oh, sorry, Oops, being go. young and naive, I don't, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So I think and that ended up being quite tough. Okay. <laughs> this business has been tough. Yeah, it's, uh, it happens to a lot of people. I imagine that. <laughs> yeah. It's like serendipitous. You just end up getting involved in something without, uh, without necessarily wanting to do it. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Listen, um, then just on our second last question, who do you secretly admire? Secretly admire. Uh, I think the guys at take a lot. Oh, really? Hey? Wow. Okay, it's pretty really good stuff. Why is that? Though? Yeah, uh, I think they're doing really interesting things there, and it's and I admire them for take for the guts and the commitment to doing this in the South African market. Awesome, it's a it's it's hardcore. Okay, it's yeah. not a it's not a small thing to do. Yeah. They it, they've that that's it. And and let me tell you, also admire the the guys at Superbalist. Uh huh. Yeah, I love for what you. they're doing at the same time. Great brand. I think yeah. it's. Great brand. They've done amazing things. Those, that's, those are the teams to watch. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, last one. If you won 100 million rand today, what would be the first thing that you would buy? What would be the first thing that I would buy? Yeah. I'm actually not a guy that buys a lot of stuff, funnily enough. I actually really? don't shop a lot. No, I don't. I think the problem is that after being in retail for so long, I'm like anesthetized to product. So people go, oh, I check this, <laughs> these new hoverboards and this is a new Parrot drone. I'm like, 
I don't want that stuff anymore. So I don't actually, I probably invest it. I wouldn't buy, I don't think I'd buy anything. Yeah, yeah. To be honest. <laughs> That's probably the best <laughs> investment oriented decision you'll probably make ever. Well, don't spend probably, it, probably, reinvest yeah, the it. The least fun, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the least fun. I'd probably, I'd probably, I'd probably take that. I would buy, I'd look to help startups with the money. Yeah, true. A great idea. Definitely. I'd, I'd be your partner in that for sure. <laughs> there you go. You'd be welcome. Anytime. Matt. Cool, mate. Okay, listen, mate. Lastly, last one. I always ask this question to entrepreneurs such as yourself, especially successful ones. But what's your why? You know, we always have, we all have a why. Uh, so why do you get up, get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, an interesting question. I think that, um, I think different entrepreneurs have different reasons for doing it. I think mine is, has turned to like a selfless reason. In other words, why I do it is I do it for part for myself because I enjoy what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's important, but I also do it for the rest of the team and for everyone else. I think that, that, that what's important for me is that other guys and everybody in the business needs to make money yeah. and need to enjoy what they do and need to be successful in their own right. Whatever success is, success mm-hmm. might be, uh, might be money. It might be awards. It might be recognition. But I think that that my job as like CEO of this is to make sure that people are getting out of the business what they're looking for, and that's really why I get out of it. To awesome. to it's like a selfless thing to help others, if you can say that. Yeah, cool. That's all. It's the best. It's a great place to be coming from as well in any value creation type of business, you know. So yeah, um, I think so. I think it's a so, for others as well. It helps. Yeah, for sure, man. Listen, I know the guys are going to be probably chomping at the bit now to ask you more questions. So for guys who wanted to reach out for you for whatever reason, uh, where can they, where can they find you? How can they get in touch? Just, just email me, Justin at parcel ninja.com. Okay. And, uh, I'll reply to emails. Don't worry. And I'm up at all hours. So it's fine. <laughs> go to bed at hop us 11, 12, wake up at hop us four this morning. <laughs> so there we go. Okay. Awesome. All right, <laughs> Not always you. by choice, but yes. Yeah. Well, true. I hear you. I hear you. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> exactly. So, buddy, listen, Kids, thank eh? you so much. Yeah. They're a less free, but they're, they're beautiful, but they're a less. <laughs> cool. Yeah. cool, mate. Listen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, wishing you all the best for the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll hear great things from you in the future as well. Remember that the show is now on iTunes. So please head on over and either write us a review or subscribe for new episodes. And if you'd like to be an exclusive real-time participant on our next Digital Kung Fu live show, then visit our website at digitalkungfu.co.za forward slash live to get early bird VIP access. Thanks for listening to the Digital Kung Fu Show. If you'd like to check out more episodes and get access to our growing community of entrepreneurs working together to succeed in business, then please visit our website at www.digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.